On today's podcast, we are talking about capital gains tax and residential property. So we talk about who does need to pay capital gains tax or CGT as it's sometimes called, why you might not pay it if you sell your main residence, but you may pay it if you inherited a property or if you gift a property. We talk about the difference between the rates of capital gains tax versus those on earned income and some wild speculation on how that may change in the future. So pretty niche today, but very important and something that you definitely wouldn't have been taught at medical school and something that almost anyone who owns a property needs to be aware of. Once again, I have to remind you the Medics Money podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not represent any form of financial advice and tax allowances and reliefs are subject to change. And we've definitely seen quite a few changes recently. So make sure you get some up to date advice from an expert. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. So on today's podcast, I'm delighted to welcome back a veteran of the Medics Money podcast, Mr. Alan Cook from RBP. Hi, Alan. Hi, Tommy. How are you? Uh, we are good. So you've been on the podcast several times before, and we talked a bit about limited companies and property uh, last time around. But do you want to just, uh, for those podcast listeners that aren't familiar with that, uh, do you want to just give yourself the intro and tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Alan Cook. And um, I'm one of the senior managers, senior tax managers here at RBP and medical accountants. And we deal with a number of, of individuals, um, a number of uh, hospital consultants and also GP practices and their partners as well. So we're pretty well versed in the medical world. Awesome. And today we're talking about something which I think we haven't really talked about in detail on the podcast before, and that is capital gains tax and residential property. So should we just get straight into it? Because this is going to apply to not just doctors. We have loads of non-doctors listening to the podcast as well. So this will apply to quite a few people really, won't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So do you want to just tell us a bit about uh, capital gains tax and when somebody might pay capital gains tax on their residential property? Sure, of course. Um, capital gains tax is really payable when there's a gain that arises on a disposal of a residential property that generally isn't covered by the reliefs and allowances that individuals are entitled to. Okay. Um, so how you said that it is payable on the gain. Uh, so what does that mean? How do you work out what the actual gain is? So a capital gain is based on an in the, the um, disposal proceeds that an individual receives, less the acquisition costs. In addition to this, you're able to reduce um, any gain by professional expenses that you may have incurred um, on the purchase and the sale of the property. So effectively, we're looking at the top line is going to be your proceeds. You then deduct your acquisition costs and then your sale and purchase costs. And then that is what the gain is assessed on. Okay, cool. Uh, as we're about to hear, not everybody uh, will pay capital gains tax. So do you want to tell us about the different categories of residential properties and how capital gains apply to them individually? Because it's quite complicated. Sure, no problem. The main categories that I tend to see is individual selling their uh, private residence, individual selling rental properties, 
and then individual cell in their former main residence that used that that is now let. Okay, cool. So I've sold, uh, you know, moved house a few times, and it was my primary residence. And uh, nature of the housing market being what it is, I made a bit of money each time, and I never needed to pay any capital gains tax on that. So, do you want to just tell us a bit about? the reliefs that are available from capital gains when selling a residential property, because sure. presumably I benefited from those. Yeah, of course. Um, when you're selling a main residence, the main relief is called um, principal private residence relief. And so if you've owned that property throughout the period of ownership, so if you've lived in that property for the, throughout the whole period of ownership, the gain is not subject to capital gains tax. And therefore, um, no, no capital gains tax will become payable. So the major relief for residential property is called private residence relief. This exempts the total gain if the property was the private residence throughout the period of ownership. If the property was the former private residence, then the actual period of ownership will be exempted from, CD, from CGT, together with the final nine months of ownership. The other reliefs that individuals need to take into account is the annual exemption that everybody's entitled to. That amounts to £12,300 for the 21-22 tax year, and this can be set against any potential gain that is not already exempted by the private residence relief. Awesome. So that explains how normal people like me who've moved house a few times, their primary uh, residence and sold the house for a profit, but I didn't pay any capital gains because I was exempt. And then there's also that little bit that if you're um, within the final nine months as well. And finally, Correct. you've got the annual capital gains uh, allowance exemption, which is 12,300, as you said, for 2021, 22 tax year. And so that is also offsetable against any gain. Have That's I got, correct. have I understood that correctly? Absolutely correct. Yeah. Okay. So you've basically got, um, we've explained about that in terms of the, you know, the categories of individuals, private residents and investment properties. But what about if the property was gifted to you, or maybe you were fortunate enough to inherit the property? Do you still have to pay any capital gains tax on that? You will still have to pay capital gains tax on that. The acquisition cost, as I, as I explained earlier, the acquisition cost is a deduction when you come to calculate your tax liabilities. So when you've actually acquired the property, the acquisition cost is your cost. So you stand in the shoes of the, of the date when it was acquired, it was transferred to you. So if, if the property was gifted to you, there will be a market value at that date. And that market value is now your value that you need to deduct when you come to sell the property. Okay. Um, but let's just say I give a property to a family member or a third party. Uh, so they've not given me any money for the property. It's just a straight gift. Um, surely that on that occasion, I've not received any proceeds, so I wouldn't pay any capital gains tax. It's a frequently asked question, to be honest with you. And, and that's not correct. Um, you do have to pay capital gains tax, irrespective of whether you have received proceeds or not. Um, the reason behind that is because when you transact between family members or a third party at undervalue, um, the ha you have to substitute market value. So each time that you transfer a property, for example, let's say that I was to transfer a property to my son um, at nil value, 
I would have to substitute in there market value at the date of transfer. And therefore, any inherent gain that sits in that property, I would have to pay capital gains tax on that. And that's what we call in, in um, the accountancy world as a dry tax charge. And in the shoes of my son, for example, he would acquire that at the, at the market value that I uh, disposed it of it to him. So when I have acquired it, that's my market value. When I gifted it, that's now his market value. So I now have to pay capital gains tax on the difference between the market value and my original acquisition cost. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I guess that's kind of fair in a way, if you think about it from a tax point of view. Um, it's, it's actually shifting. It's shifting capital. So yeah. you know the the HM revenue of customs have have thought about all of these sorts of things. <laughs> this is often the case, uh, and I think the rates of capital gains are different depending on your individual circumstances. Do you want to tell us a bit about that, and then get your crystal ball out and tell us whether you think capital gains is going to be uh, changing in the future? Because we just had an NI rise, and we also have an autumn statement coming up. So yeah, crystal ball, please. Sure. So for individuals that are lower rate tax or basic rate taxpayers, um, they pay capital gains tax on residential property at 18%. Anybody that is a higher rate taxpayer, they pay capital gains tax at a rate of 28%. So 18 and 28%. So pretty pretty favourable um, tax rates really for residential properties and capital gains tax. And in terms of crystal ball gazing, I think we've spoken about this sort of thing in the past that... Um, I do think, given the circumstances that we find ourselves in, and given that at this present moment, capital gains tax is a whole lot lower than the highest rate of income tax, I do think that there will be some form of increase for capital gains tax in the future. Um, it might not be in the next year or so, but it will certainly be in the horizon for the, in the next two years. Whether they take that up to the income tax levels, I don't know, um, but I would certainly expect Given the circumstances and given the state of the economy, I would certainly expect a, a, a rate increase, um, probably level to to income tax, which it has been it has been at that that rate in the past. Yeah, I mean, you know, eighteen percent for basic rate taxpayers, twenty eight percent for higher rate taxpayers. That is significantly lower than the tax would be if it was in earned income. So, as you say, there's quite a discrepancy between those two rates. And it seems it's been it's been at that though it's been at the higher rates as well before. So, yeah. you know, it's not unheard of that those rates can go up. It's only in the last um, ten years that it's gone down to those those sorts of rates. But most definitely, it will go up again. Yeah. Okay. So if I gift a property to a family member or third party, use the example of your son, uh, then we've established that unfortunately we do have to pay capital gains tax. That's correct. Uh, what about if I was to gift a property to my spouse? So if you gift a property to your spouse, the spouse actually effectively stands in the shoes of you. So there's no capital gains tax to pay on transfer but their acquisition cost will be based on your acquisition cost. So if you bought the property 20 years ago at 200,000 pound, they stand in the shoes of you. So 20 years ago, property bought for 20,000 pound, that will be their base cost. If they come to sell that property for 500,000 pound, for example, there will be a gain there of 300,000 pound and the spouse will be charged capital gains tax on that. 
Okay, so let me just get that clear in my mind. If I was to give um, a property to my spouse, then at that point, there would be no capital gains tax to pay. Correct. But then if my spouse went on to sell that property, which uh, was worth 200 when I gave it to them uh, for 500, then they would pay tax on the difference between the two acquisition costs, 200 acquisition costs and 500 the sale price. Have I got that right? That's correct. Okay, so that's potentially useful for some people, dependent on their... Uh, circumstances and obviously always take your own advice don't rely on a podcast to get your financial advice and don't uh, rely on the google uh, search either yeah always make always make sure that you get the right amount of advice (laughs) definitely uh okay so tell me when do you actually have to pay the capital gains tax and are there any new filing requirements for capital gains tax so um, back in April 2020, the revenue, HM Revenue and Customs changed the rules for the submission of um, capital gains tax calculations um, and the actual payment dates as well. Normally, they would be included on an individual tax return and the tax that's arising from those um, capital gains uh, would be payable nine months after the year end. Now, from April 2020, the revenue changed those rules an individual selling residential property that has a gain and has a tax liability will have to submit tax returns 30 days after completion. So that's a real sea change there. In addition to that, they would also have to pay their capital gains tax liability 30 days after completion. Um, So the timescales have changed greatly and there are penalties um, if we don't submit on time. Um, so very, very, very big differences um, to what the previous rules used to be. Awesome. Okay. Well, that was a really uh, good summary of capital gains tax. As I said, something that we haven't talked about um, on the podcast before. Is there sort of any sage words of advice or common mistakes that you see people make that might help the listeners to avoid making those mistakes? Um, I always say to people, make sure that your record keeping is up to date. Um, it's really, really, it's a you know, almost a very boring subject, and I bang on about it quite often, but record keeping is so essential. Um, and when I said about the acquisition costs, in addition to that, if you've made any improvements to the property, so if, for example, if you've had a loft extension or an extent, a side extension, and you've um, incurred costs on those, those sorts of things are allowable against the gain as well. So keeping records of build costs are, is extremely important. Because um, the revenue may want to come along and see those sorts of things. So I always make sure that people have or, or people keep the right amount of records. That's probably paramount, really, when you when you have rental property or any other property for that matter. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's, uh, it's quite boring to keep saying keep records. But whatever it is, whether it's your income tax and your pay slips, whether it's your pension saving statements and keeping good record of your NHS pension, or whether it's this kind of thing with uh, keeping records for capital gains, you know, you've got to keep those records up to date. Good paperwork is essential. So yeah, that's what all of the experts always say is their number one top tip when they come on, just keep the paperwork. So yeah, quite- it's, a, it's a boring one, Tommy, but it's it's something that everybody needs to be doing. Everybody needs to be keep, keeping their records. Brilliant. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today on the Medics Money podcast, Alan. And your last episode was really popular when we talked about uh, limited company uh, tax as well with property. So definitely check that episode out. And we look forward to catching up with you on the Medics Money podcast in due course. Thanks so much.